Welcome to the 222 Paranormal Podcast. Hello. With your special host this week, Jen I am and Joe. here <laughs> in body, not in spirit, though. I'm tired, Joe. I, uh. I've had a rough week. It's been rough. <laughs> Aren't they all? Aren't they all? No, um, I had something very strange happen in the house. Now, oh. you guys know I like to share the paranormal experiences that happen in the house. Um, I was awake mm-hmm. and laying in the bed. And you know how normally you're just settling in, you're watching videos on your phone for four hours like I usually do before I go to sleep. And I just had the strangest feelings. Now, we've had this feeling before. It's where your whole body just tingles because you just feel like electricity is going to happen. Now, that's happened to me right before I saw the full body apparition. Okay. I'm in my bedroom. The lights are off, but I have my phone on. And I'm seeing a shadow figure going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And it scared me so much I had to get up and turn the light on twice. Really? Twice, wide awake. I don't know what was happening or who it was. I kind of felt like it was somebody who had recently passed Mm -hmm. in our family. I won't mention. But it was a little scary this time to the point where I was like, okay, I'm getting really scared and I had to turn the light on. And then I was like, okay, waited about 20 minutes, turned the light back off, tried to go back to sleep. It happened again. And I was like, okay, this is enough. And then the other day, two days later, I heard the whistle. Remember oh, how yeah, I told you, you heard I heard whistling, in, whistling the in the house? Mm-hmm. I heard it again, and it was like clear as day. And I was like, oh, Lordy. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, why is it ramping up? Is it, oh, it was full moon. Yeah, it was. Or it is right now. I yeah. mean, it's full moon. And, and the veil is very thin, I think, mm-hmm. still. I think so. You know, we talk about different times of the year when the veil is thinner and stuff. But, mm-hmm. well, I was going to say we just had Halloween, but that was a while ago. Yeah, it's been a month. Yeah. So I don't know. It's interesting. We'll have to um, touch on that with our guests. Now, yeah. guys, we have a very, very special guest uh, for you I today. I am so excited. Uh, we have with us author Kathy Forty, who is a PhD. She's a former clinical psychologist and also a journalist and an author. And she came to craft craft her story um, after suffering a near-death experience, mm. which she's going to tell us all about. I'm looking forward to what that. What happened to her and her journey since that had happened and got her on this life path of discovering her her guides. I can't explain her experience. She'll have to explain yeah. it to you herself. But it's very otherworldly. And it's enlightening. That's yes. the thing. She, this, um, I did, you know, kind of stalk her on <laughs> YouTube and different stuff because I want to know, you know, I want to sure. know about her. And I was blown away. I was, mm-hmm. I was seriously blown away looking at, you know, watching these videos and learning about her and what happened to her during her near death experience. And it's, I'm not going to say anything because you guys just have to listen to her mm-hmm. tell it because she, Obviously, you can tell it a lot better than I. I'm so looking forward to this interview, and I'm glad that we have her on the show. It'll be interesting to see how she marries the scientific side or the scholastic side with the more spiritual Mm -hmm. realm. So let's welcome Kathy to the show. Hi, guys. So am I. Yes. It's great. How how you been? We like to uh, check well, in on everybody. Well, I'm from Maui, the ah, island of Maui. It's ah. great. <laughs> Pretty far away from the East Coast right now. Yeah, <laughs> and a little warmer too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although it's raining here today. Oh ah. no, we had um, snow the other morning. I had to scrape my car, and today it's 50. So yeah. it's just in the Midwest. It's Aww. like it's either faith. You know, you're from Chicago. You get it, right? We're in Toledo, so um, got it. It's uh, one day, the heat in the morning and air conditioning in the afternoon in the car. <laughs> it's great. But no, really, we really, really appreciate you being with us today um, to talk about your books and your life experiences and everything and everything in between. Yeah. So let's start from the beginning. When you were, when, the day you were born. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> we go way back. <laughs> No, but um, the reason we have you on is you had a near-death experience that really did change your life, and it changed the lives of a lot of people. Um, can you 
basically we'll start there. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And then we'll, well go from actually, there. Actually, it went, it went beyond before that. Mm-hmm. Um, before I had the near-death experience, which was in 2003, the first paranormal experience that I remember having was uh, I was um, nine, 19 years old at the time, just turning 19, mm-hmm. or it was like a month before I turned 19. And I was living in uh, Chicago at the time, and I was a student at uh, the Goodman Theater okay. of uh, Drama, which oh. is, uh, uh, you know, I thought I was going to be an actress, <laughs> I, okay. I turned into a journalist, and now I'm, <laughs> as I said, clinical psychologist. Mm-hmm. But I was leaving, uh, uh, leaving the play that I had been um, involved in working on, and as I went to my car in this huge parking lot in downtown Chicago, um, I was assaulted. Uh, from behind and with a knife wielding man and I thought for sure I was this was it for me you know this was my exit point I was Mm going to die uh, in a violent mode probably and as the energy was rising up me you know that that I felt like I just needed to scream or something because I wouldn't see my my family again all of a sudden this movie screen opened in my mind and I saw myself in the future as an older woman and I was sitting in this black lacquered Chinese rocking chair. And um, there was certain antiques on this hutch uh, towards the side. I could see the color on the walls. I could see the fabric on the, the drapes and the, hmm. and the, and the uh, sofa and so forth like that. And there were two faceless children sitting at my feet. And I was reading a children's book to them, uh, which later I would go on to write children's books. And But anyway, what it served to show me was that I was going to survive this attack mm. instead of, you know, getting all hysterical and maybe mm-hmm. having the knife used to shut me up. And um, so I was able to extricate myself. Uh, I was able to live, obviously, mm-hmm. after the assault. And um, years later, when I lived in New York City and I went into who would the uh, house of the man who would then turn out to be my husband, mm-hmm. I walked into the uh, the ro- living room and there was the black lacquered oh, rocking chair that's and incredible. the the antiques just as I'd seen them the colors of the unusual uh, you know fabric design on the on the couch and everything else and um, although um, you know I am not with that person anymore they're deceased mm-hmm. it was showing me a probable future mm-hmm. just to. reassure me Mm -hmm. that I was going to survive this and I didn't have to get hysterical or so forth Mm -hmm. like that. So that, uh, that opened a psychic, uh, really a psychic channel for me. And as a therapist, you know, working with uh, many people who have been uh, either uh, emotionally, physically, or uh, sexually abused Mm -hmm. over the years, it does make them, it many of them open have a psychic opening. Really? Oh, wow. That's uh, yeah. I mean, if you've been, I, I mean, I didn't come from a background of abuse, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. a, a child background of abuse where, you know, children usually, you know, if they're, if they're subjected to abuse over and over again before the age of seven, when the, the personality is developing, they will become hypervigilant. They will be able to read all the signs of danger, danger, mm-hmm. daddy's home and he's drinking or something mm-hmm. like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yes, oftentimes abuse does create a psychic opening. So um, I'd say the next one I had, and this is still before my near-death experience in 2003, um, I one day found myself, it was a very lucid dream, very vivid in all details, and I found myself on board this very big spacecraft. And uh, it was uh, parked outside uh, the rings of Saturn. I couldn't see oh, the wow. rings, but I saw it. I saw two moons, mm-hmm. and I in my head I was like, "Where is this?" And it was. It was. Uh, I heard it's Saturn. And later I would find out from a military guy that when when they did the um, Cassini Saturn probe, um, that and you know it flew by Saturn and everything, that they indeed saw a big big vehicle and a lot of those pictures were later scrubbed Mm -hmm. so um anyway the i met the whoever the commander was of this ship and he 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 treated me like like he knew me like like i haven't seen you in a long time it's so nice to see you again Mm -hmm. that type thing and he was talking to me like one scientist to another which was very strange and I do remember this was many years before the time of Bluetooth, mm-hmm. and some of the uh, crew on the ship 
I didn't get to see the whole ship, but I saw some some people on the ship. They had this very strange looking kind of gold band by their ear. And apparently that was some type of consciousness link to the ship that there was always uh, immediate communication. Well, anyway, he did talk to me about, uh, I, I felt like this was some type of Federation ship. And he was talking to me about his uh, the um, their mission, uh, which later most of that was wiped from my mind. Mm. But when we when we departed, there was like this unusual exchange of energy, um, and I mean like from you know just chest to chest energy right mm -hmm. at my being. And the next thing I found, I woke up in my physical body. And my whole body was shaking and trembling as if I just had an orgasm. Huh. Oh, my goodness. And with, with those sensations and mm -hmm. feelings. And, you know, uh, a month later, I was pregnant. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, and the interesting thing was I wasn't having sex at the time. <laughs> so that's another story we won't get into. But um, so, uh, you know, just to follow up on that one, um, many years later, because I do remote viewing and I uh, – you know, I have seen other ships since then. Mm -hmm. I was out in the desert doing uh, contact with Dr. Stephen Greer from um, from his uh, contact project. Yeah. And we were out in the Arizona desert and we were all in a circle. It was like 11 p.m. at night, you know, in our zero gravity chairs. And we were kind of meditating to make contact. And he had said to me, said, you know, he stopped. and He goes, oh, there's a very tall being here. And I've only seen him once before, and he's a commander of a ship. Um, and uh, he said he's between the girl that's next to me and the girl on the other side of her, which was me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to say anything, but when we went back to our um, our uh, cabins, I asked for some type of sign. Was that the commander I knew when I was, you know, mm -hmm. uh, in my 20s? And uh, in the middle of the night, all these rays of light came streaming uh, from all different parts wow. of the room right into my heart area mm -hmm. and with it brought this feeling of complete ecstasy mm. um like really like 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 the the uh near-death experiences where people say oh i felt this tremendous love well yeah. i didn't get that in my near-death experience <laughs> oh no i got that, <laughs> I got that from this ufo experience yeah you know? and so it told me that uh i felt like you know, I had somebody at my back, you know, mm -hmm. that I knew somebody, I had connections in the oh universe, you might say. Incredible. Um, which this is a whole nother story. But in 2003, um, after working with children who had cancer and writing some books on, on death and dying, I had my own experience, mm -hmm. never thinking that this would happen to me. And at the time, I was uh, living in Los Angeles, and I had a private practice there. Mm -hmm. And one night, I was uh, I was working late, and my last client of the day was um, a Buddhist nun. And the last thing she said to me before leaving was that, "Oh, this is a night of the Wiesak Moon. It's very important." Mm -hmm. And and I didn't know what that was. It usually happens every year, first or second week in, in May. And uh, she said, "It's when the veils between the dimensions are very thin." And anything can happen, even magic. Yeah. And Ooh. so as I'm leaving and going towards my car, um, all of a sudden uh, I feel, I looked up at the sky and it, you know, it kind of looked like any other moon to me, nothing special. But as I'm moving towards my vehicle, I feel this tremendous whoosh of energy come right out of my solar plexus area. Wow. And with that uh, came the uh, a profound sense of emptiness, like like all my best friends had left and I was all alone. Yeah. And 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 I had the thought is that um, if I'm getting am I getting ready to die? Because I felt like I was done with all my work here on Earth as I knew really? it. And I hadn't done that much up until then. So um, anyway, so I got went home. I was able to drive because there was nothing wrong with me. And I went home and I was sitting on my couch with tea in my hand and thinking about this. Next thing I found myself sucked into this vortex, this tunnel. And I was traveling uh, horizontal, feet first, and through this tunnel very rapidly. And I could see light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. And my first thoughts in my head were, was, um, did I just die? Because this, this is the tunnel everybody talks about, you know, the death tunnel. Mm -hmm. 
and was it light or dark? Was it light or What's dark? That? Was it light or dark when you were going through it? The tunnel. The, dar- the tunnel was dark, but the okay. light was at the end of it. Okay. Gotcha. Yes. Okay. I mean, the whole tunnel was not lit up. Mm-hmm. Um, and but you know, I was focused on that light at the end. And uh, I'll explain a little bit why that tunnel was might have been a little different than everybody else's. It's an energy conversion tunnel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. From, okay. Yeah. So um, I'm stopped right before I could go into that light. And because I wanted to see what everybody had been talking about. And if I had died, there was nothing I could do about it. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, let's go forward. And um, I just hovered there and I tried to will myself to go into that light and nothing would make me move forward. It was like there was a big blockage there. And, you know, I was a little irritated and I thought, oh, this is boring. <laughs> and all of this energy poured into me. I mean, it was like an implosion, just like, you know, the rest of it had left, you mm-hmm. know, that whoosh. Now I felt like it was all coming back in and it was it was so profound. I felt rocked by it, and it spun me back around and sent me back through the tunnel at the same speed. Next thing, I found myself back in my physical body, and my whole left side was paralyzed. <gasps> I could not move. Oh, my gosh. And I was alone, and I didn't know what to do. And I hear them voices in my head now saying, mm-hmm. breathe, Kathy, breathe. And I realized that um, whoever these being, these voices belong to, mm-hmm. uh, I might as well listen to them because I had no other choice. I couldn't move. And that's for some reason, my heart had stopped and they were trying to help me breathe life back into my physical form. And as I tried to just relax and follow whatever they were doing, I was hearing clicking, loud clicking in my head as as they were kind of taking every part of my left side and Mm -hmm. clicking it and bringing it back online like it was like puzzle pieces or something that needed to be reconnected, uh, which was a very strange feeling. And as suddenly, you know, with the last click, I could, I could move my left side. uh, But there was a little still a little pressure in my my chest area. And I I remember thinking, Oh, no, I'm gonna have to go see a cardiologist. And the voices said to me, No, you're okay, You, you don't need to see a doctor. Well, it wasn't until years later during the COVID years where I did have, I did check something out because I was mm-hmm. wheezing a little bit then. Mm-hmm. And I checked out with a cardiologist and I didn't tell him anything about a near-death experience. And to my knowledge, I hadn't really had anything that was significant that could be proved by a doctor that my heart had stopped. So I, I really didn't put anything on the form and I didn't want to get into the history. And he says, he says, the only thing I can't figure out is why you've got scar tissue on the left side of your heart. Oh. I said, have you had, have you had a heart attack? Mm-hmm. And so there was the proof uh-huh. to me that something had happened mm-hmm. physically, even though it took many years before I had some valid proof of it. Well, anyway, after coming back from my physical body, the next day I went to work and to my, uh, to my astonishment, I was feeling all the emotions of all of my mm-hmm. clients. I was feeling their anger. I was feeling their, 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 you know, dissatisfactions, their, mm-hmm. their whatever. And it did not feel good. No. And I knew it wasn't coming from me. And so I, it was like, well, why, why am I, why am I feeling all this all of a sudden? It's almost and, like, um, it's almost like yeah, your receptors it, are turned on. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's sort of, exactly. It was like well, my antenna were on, <laughs> yes, on, we're on 8G. Right? <laughs> and so um, every night um, I was getting, I was being woken up between 3 and 4 a.m. with all of these unusual thoughts going through my head on, you know, on energy and quantum physics and the universe and quarks. And mm-hmm. I mean, you just name it. And this wasn't my area of expertise at all. And I couldn't go back to sleep unless I was being like propelled to get on my computer and research the mm-hmm. things that were going through my head. Mm-hmm. And um, as I was researching it, I was um, amazed to know that I was understanding more than I thought I did, would. Mm-hmm. And that these, I, the voices came back in my head and they were correcting what I was reading. Mm. And by correcting, I mean, they're saying, okay, well, this is true. This is not true. But this, this part here that's not true but it's just as as far as your understanding your race's understanding of this concept is Mm -hmm. so this went on night after night i Mm -hmm. still go back into work and even though i'd feel i wouldn't feel tired i was still in feeling all this stuff and so i called a good friend of mine 
who's an incredible, he's a timeline reader, he's a psychic, a medical intuitive, and he had worked with me on very difficult clinical cases before. Mm -hmm. And with the client's permission, all he wanted to know was their name, nothing about mm -hmm. them. And he would go in and look behind the scenes and see what's going on from a soul perspective. And with that, with that information, then that could help me to navigate their therapy, you know, so it was more effective. Mm -hmm. So I called him and I said, you know, can you just take a look behind the scenes with me? I didn't tell him what had happened. And he took a while. He hesitated and he came back. And he goes, well, you almost died. He said, uh, but the strange thing is all your kind of guidance, your old guidance has left. That was that whoosh. Yeah. Oh, I feel like I felt like I lost okay. all my friends. Yeah. yeah. Like your spirit and guys were like, like, okay, now yes. you guys take over. <laughs> <laughs> right you know i mean i'd never heard written you know seen anybody mm -hmm. talk about that before and he says but you have a whole new set of guidance he said they're very technologically oriented he said almost geeky and my first response was well what do they want mm -hmm. and he said he said well this looks like a soul contract um and that's you know that's why i kind of learned that there was a switch mm -hmm. of uh that they were allowed to come in it was easier for them to come in within the tunnel than anywhere else oh, okay. and um you know not in my physical body in the here and now mm -hmm. that they were able to make that transition and he says well they're showing me you came back to um he said it looks like some type of medical device he said you're going to work on some type of medical device and it'll change people's way of thinking about healing and I kind of laughed and I said, no, I don't think so. I, I said, you know, I don't know anything about inventing. I don't know anything about electronics. This is kind of not my field. And mm -hmm. he goes, he goes, that's what they're showing. Yeah. Me. yeah. And <laughs> sometimes and the messages are what say, they are. You, you know, <laughs> yes, you you know, know you can't. What, what you resist persists. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was what happened with me. You know, if I try, I tried to say, you know, okay, well, he was finally wrong. Um, and, but it just, it took hold. And, and then finally I said, okay, well, I don't know what's supposed to come to me, but maybe if I, you know, called up, you know, and started as working with some people in the quantum field, maybe whatever it is that's supposed to come to me will come to me. And when I tried to do that, it was like all the obstacles would hit. Mm -hmm. And I finally said, I, I, I don't know what you want. And they goes, we don't want them to do it. We not want you to do it. You already know how to do this. You just need to unlock it. Yeah. It's already there in your memory. Apparently, it was in memory from a prior lifetime. And so when I finally capitulated <laughs> and got on board with the program, um, then I started to have downloads. I mm -hmm. would have, uh, I, sometimes I'd hear them talk in my head. And, uh, of course, you're going to say, well, who was it that they were yeah. talking? Mm -hmm. They identified themselves as being from the eighth dimension. And they call themselves the founders. Okay. And it was a collection of beings. Uh, it wasn't just one. It was a collection. And uh, sometimes they would look into my own memory and look for things that I could relate to and show me pictures. And the other time, whole concepts would come down. Well, to make a long story short, what they were trying to teach me was that everything in the universe has a mathematical signature to it. Mm and that even our DNA is mathematically encoded. Now, this is back in 2003. Okay. They were teaching me this. And, you know, they said frequency is one thing, but if you really want to uh, give instruction to the cells and mm -hmm. everything else, you need to do it in a language it understands, mm -hmm. which is math. Mm -hmm. And so uh, what I started working with them was, was um, almost channeling down thousands of different mathematical algorithms for all different types of substances, uh, whether they be gems, herbs, minerals, vitamins, motions, mm -hmm. concepts, so forth, you know, thousands of them. And this was over a five-year period of time. And, and they were showing me that I needed to incorporate the use of fractals to amplify the information. Mm -hmm. I needed to use certain sounds and that I needed to give it to the body into a computer mm -hmm. with with signal boxes attached to pure crystal rit rods mm -hmm. you know kind of like the rods of rod that they used in egypt the yeah. pharaohs mm -hmm. were in, that had crystals inside mm -hmm. them you know and for balancing you know it's not like they never left home without it of course during that time i i didn't know about the rods of raw or they call them the wands of horus mm -hmm. and uh 
So, um, you know, it's I, I didn't tell my friends very much what I was doing because I thought, oh, for sure they'll think, oh, poor Kathy, she's lost her mind, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And, um, you know, it was propelling me. One door was closing, another was, you know, opening. Mm-hmm. And uh, right around a, a few months after I'd had my near death, my father died. Oh. And I remember telling him about my near death. Mm-hmm. And later he came back and through my friend, you know, and mm-hmm. said, um, well, Kathy, he just wants to tell you you were right. And I said, well, what was I right about? And he said, well, he didn't really believe you when you t- talked about your near death. He was glad you were still here. And he just kind of paid lip service like, oh, I'm mm-hmm. glad you're here, Kathy, and that you didn't leave. Well, when he died, he remembered what I said mm-hmm. and and knew what it was all about. And he wanted he wanted to come back to tell me, you know, this was mm-hmm. well, he died a few months later. My mother died a year later and they <sighs> left me this this money that I could develop this technology, which mm-hmm. later I found was a sole contract on their part as well. So I wouldn't have to bring in other people. OK, so, you know, basically, you know, the technology is out there in the world. It's called Trinfinity 8. It's got so many different programs. It's very a different people mm-hmm. would say to you. People oftentimes have said to me, I didn't think I'd see this technology again. It's Atlantean technology. No doubt about it. It's just okay. packaged differently. It's almost like and the so, um, when every time you see the different um, Egyptian or not even Egyptian, really all over the world, there's always someone carrying the, they're always carrying a bag. And when I was researching some of your work, it kind of clicked in my mind. Is that the bag? Right. Is, you know? <laughs> Well, no, you actually see their cylinders, one's zinc and one's, uh, one's copper, okay. you know, two, which cl- creates an electromagnetic uh, uh, charge between them, you mm-hmm. know, and they would fill them with different minerals based on, you know, what the pharaoh's needs were. And like mm-hmm. I said, they never left home without the rods of Ra, mm-hmm. the ones of Horus. And, you know, it wasn't for the common man, you know, it was for the pharaoh or perhaps the, the high priest yeah. and so forth like this. So, I mean, even to get the picture of, because when I thought, well, how does one get it from one's computer, these streams of algorithms mm-hmm. that are coming to the, how does one deliver it? Mm-hmm. And so what they did is they looked in my memory bank and they, they, they found the picture of, you know, I, I'd seen the movie Superman. Yeah. And Superman is in the Fortress of Solitude uh, downloading these crystals of his, the history of his race. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, crystals. And I thought, you know, new age shop crystals. How's that going to work? And and they showed me they had to be grown. Mm-hmm. These crystals had to be lab grown from okay. clarity. They mm-hmm. had to be specified a certain way. They had to be super super uh, clear, almost looking like glass, so that they could take information immediately, let go of it, not hold it mm-hmm. in the crystal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, it took me six months to find a lab that would even do such a thing. And so, you know, it's sort of like, uh, and so, so what happened was I thought, okay, when it was in this first iteration, I thought, okay, I'm going to, I was led to bring it to this group in um, Colorado. It was a group that they could see subtle energy. I mean, these guys were really good Mm -hmm. and it was called the, the International Society for the Study of Subtle Energy Medicines. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't know at the time that they had seen into the future that there would be this type of particular type of uh, technology coming down the pike. And they wanted to have a form that would be open to it. And when they saw mine, they go, oh, it's it's coming. It's it's opening. The gates are opening now. It's coming through. I mean, when we think about it, in the last 100 years, we've had an explosion of technology. Mm -hmm. It's because all the Atlanteans have reincarnated during this time yeah. okay. and they're bringing back stuff that they knew because Atlantis was much more advanced oh, yeah. technologically than we are today. They mm-hmm. had AI, they had everything, you know, in fact, that's kind of what brought one of the things that brought them down. That's another story. But, <laughs> um, but so, you know, I rolled it out at this, this, this conference and, you know, I can feel energy, but I can't always see it. Okay. And these people could, and they were telling me, well, you know, I put out, three machines and just invited people to try it you know no 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 free everything free and before i knew it there was a line at my booth and uh which the other vendors weren't very happy about because i was giving something away free and i just wanted feedback Mm -hmm. and um you know people were saying okay this is what we're seeing now around the person we're seeing this like glass sharding coming out and i'd look in and what was playing at the time was release emotional blockages 
Uh, another time they say, oh, now we're seeing this beautiful plumping. And I'd look in a, say, a, a balance energy centers. And then this one guy was on, he was an ophthalmologist and a psychic from Northern California. And, uh, you know, I didn't know anything about him. He didn't know anything about me. And uh, he was crying while he was on the device. Really? And when he got off, I thought, oh, no, he's had a bad experience. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he said, no, no, not at all. He, he was one of the ones, he said, I didn't think I'd see this in my lifetime. This definitely is Atlantean. He said, my guides knew exactly what to do with this and started tuning my psychic ability oh, wow. using wow. the technology. Okay. He said, then I saw all these beings of light that were behind the creation of this device. And he said, and then I saw this man come forward who identified himself as your father, hmm. and he just wanted me to tell you that it was money. It was money well spent. Oh, oh wow! My goodness. That <laughs> That's crazy. Like, oh my god! Validation. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, for and, sure. And then it took off. It just took off, and it was it was you know money things. And then years later, I did the Ascension Eleven, which was all spiritual based, and all that stuff came out of my near death. I didn't have the normal near death experience, mm -hmm. paranormal mm -hmm. experience that other people had, where you know they saw Jesus and. And, you know, they, the they, you know, static and... or this or that, you mm -hmm. know, and I, I thought, okay, I, I, I got a work detail instead, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, uh, and, and so I asked him, what's, why wasn't I allowed to go into the light? Mm -hmm. what and say? they said, well, you know, and they said, mm -hmm. what have you always t said, you know, for many years? And I said, well, I knew that when I died, I wasn't coming back to this dimension. Mm. And they said, exactly. Yeah. They said, if you go into the light, you'll keep reincarnating on third dimensional earth. Mm. And uh, so in some respects, it's a reincarnation trap, you know. And so I said, well, what does one do then when one leaves this place instead of, you know, because maybe things from the light are beckoning you over like mm -hmm. mom and dad or Jesus or, or yeah. something beautiful and or something shiny and you go for it. You know, because you think that that's what you're supposed to do. And they said, no, stay in your stillness. Mm -hmm. Your soul will know the right resonance and the mm -hmm. right realm to return to. Oh, Just, cool. you know, too many people can't kind of stay in that stillness for a while to listen to that. Mm -hmm. You know, they'll go for the light immediately. Yeah. And so that's kind of something I learned that I never even thought about. So it was, yeah. So it's it's been an interesting experience, not to mention all my remote viewing in space and everything else. Yeah. yeah. That's I, yeah, it's a perfect example of what, like you said, they they knew what they wanted you to do. They knew what you would accomplish when you stayed, you know, on this plane. And I, one of my questions was going to be, you know, do you feel that the uh, followers needed to have or needed for you to have a near to death experience to understand the downloads? Because if they were to just show up in your room one day and say, you're going to create this device. And you, you'd be like, mm, what are you talking about? You know, I'm going insane. But with the near death, check my illusion at the door. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but with the near death experience, it was in that tunnel. When they switched over, they put everything in your mind then. And I, I believe that they knew already that you already had these abilities and you could do it. But it's almost like, a, a like you said, it's that's where it had to happen. Yeah, it was a soul contract. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I suppose I could have said no at the last minute and kept going. But, you know, I always joke because I just turned 71. Uh, and my friends say to me, yeah, my friends don't say to look me, a day over 40. <laughs> and I never had any work. And they said, did you make some type of deal with them that you'd <laughs> always stay young if you did this thing? And I said, uh-huh. <laughs> Bottle that and put it in uh, in, in a box and let's <laughs> let's do that. <laughs> well, it's the Trinfinity 8 that's keeping her young. Yeah. Oh, you know, yes. energy in general can yeah. keep you. Mm -hmm. It just, you know, it 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 replenishes you if mm -hmm. you know how to use it the correct way, mm -hmm. you know. And so um I kind of since then have had, you know, attracted very unusual experiences to me, just like in the as a clinical psychologist, of course, people laugh and go, you know, you can make the weirdest shit sound normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you get you can get away with it because you've got mm -hmm. a PhD. Yeah, name, right. You know? 
Um, but, you know, it's, and that's why I think I also attracted very unusual clients that stretched my imagination and made me think outside the box. It was sort of like, uh, um, you know, so that I didn't get your normal just worried well or anything mm -hmm. like that or, or so forth. I got very bizarre cases. And how, and, you know, so. And how coming from, you know, more of a scientific background with your degree, do you distinguish between somebody having mental issue versus actually experiencing um, their spirit guides talking to them or a paranormal experience or something otherworldly, I guess you would, for lack of a better term? Well, as a therapist, you always have to work with what they believe is true. It's mm -hmm. not like you're going to you, you're going to uh, challenge them on mm -hmm. everything because it doesn't matter. Okay. You know, if you work with what they believe mm -hmm. and get them through that, mm -hmm. then you know you can still accomplish healing. I mean, uh, sure, some of them have illusion, but you know, sometimes I had so many that were um, so psychic. I had I had angels actually appearing some there was two times that they appeared in my therapy office and one was with um, a, a multiple personality case and I knew all of them she had well over 150 alters oh my uh, alter personalities because she'd been abused by multiple oh, uh, so aunts sad. and uncles since she was an infant and so she split off so many times mm -hmm. and um then one more one day she was in my office and you know i could always tell when she was about ready to change there, there would be this this minute little sometimes flutter in your eye or you mm -hmm. could feel a sense you could feel the energy changing somewhat and what came forward was some being that was talking in these biblical these and thou's and oh, i'm thinking wow. i'm thinking who's this i've never seen this one before <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you know? it's amazing and i asked it who to identify itself and mm -hmm. identified itself as being outside of my client's internal system. Okay. Identified oh, itself as a being, an angel, angelic being, because my person was, she believed in angels, so it okay. identified as an angel. Mm -hmm. And then proceeded to tell me all about myself that my client had no knowledge oh, wow. of. Oh, wow. And then told me that I needed to start preparing this client because in six months I would leave. Mm -hmm. I would terminate with her and I would leave the state. Oh. Now, I'm thinking to myself, uh, I'm married. I have a <laughs> clinical practice. I have a house. How's that going to happen? Yeah. Right? <laughs> you know? yeah. It did. It did. did it. it actually did. Wow. And it told me, you know, it told me that these three gifts would be waiting for me, which I mm -hmm. they did turn out to happen, which I won't get into because mm -hmm. they're personal. Um, and, uh, when the angel was done delivering this, she just slumped forward like a raggedy and, uh, like, like something had totally left. Mm -hmm. And my client, you know, was like, had no recoil. This is the first time I'd ever seen her do this. Uh -huh. And sure enough, a series of events happened where, um, I got divorced, sold my practice and moved to California. Unbelievable. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and, uh, you know, and, you know, I hadn't planned it. Mm -hmm. So, um, and another time, I'll just tell you the other time that the angel came is this, this is a paranormal thing. Yeah, I was, I, I was, I also had a neurofeedback component to my, my, uh, clinical practice. And I worked with, um, a lot of attention deficit disorder, kids, depression, and brain injury, Okay, traumatic brain injury. And that's one client I had, had been, um, he was uh, a, a manager in a warehouse uh, and, um, you know, those those racks that are by the uh, um, grocery store where they have the uh, National Enquirer and Globe mm -hmm. and all those and people are reading them in those racks. They were all stacked up in the warehouse and they fell down on him uh, and they hit, he hit his head uh, and he lost consciousness. And from that moment on, you know, his co he was cognitively impaired. He had uh, severe sleep problems, depression problems, mm -hmm. uh, migraine headaches. I mean, everything. And the neurologist, you know, wasn't being very successful with him after trying everything. So he referred him to me thinking, well, you know, if I can't, maybe, well, let her give her, let her give her, take a crack at him. <laughs> yeah. right? And we actually did reduce his medication. Um, I knew that cognitively he was, we, we, we improved his cognition, but I knew that he was never going to return to the state he was prior mm. to the head injury. Okay. Cause it was severe. 
And the one thing we did all these this this uh, you know faster frequency treatment so that to improve his cognition, and um, but he couldn't get past the fact that he was never going to pick up his life as he knew it mm. the way it was before. Yeah, you know it was that was that was a trauma that he just he couldn't let go of. Mm -hmm. So he decided to do some deep alpha theta training where his eyes are closed instead of open, and mm -hmm. he's following sounds. And when he's making certain types of frequencies, it allows, because trauma gets locked in at the slower frequencies. Mm -hmm. You almost have to bring it back to a slower frequency to, to um, release it. Okay. So um, about five minutes in, um, I've got, you know, my EEG screen and all of a sudden the, the EEG signal is swamped. I mean, the amplitude mm. is high and, and, and he's not moving. So it's not artifact. And, and, you know, I'm looking at my, my wires quietly and he's, uh, and, and everything seems to be fine. And then suddenly I'm aware that there is an electrical charge in the room mm -hmm. and that the hair on my, <laughs> my arms mm -hmm. are, are reacting somewhat to it. And in that moment, I knew there was a being in that room that I couldn't see, but I could definitely feel. Mm -hmm. And I said in my head, I know you're here. I just can't see you. And within my recognizing, it was there within several moments, everything restored back on my EEG screen to a normal mm -hmm. um, uh, a reading. And um, after about 50 minutes, when he came out of the session, I asked him what it was like for him. You know, didn't mm -hmm. tell him anything about what, yeah. what my right. screen yeah. had been doing. And he said, oh, my God. He said, I saw an angel. And this guy wasn't into oh. angels. He was very left brain. Mm -hmm. right. Of course, his okay. left brain wasn't working as well. <laughs> right. And and I said, "Oh, really?" Mm -hmm. And he goes, he goes, "Yes." He said, "This angel brought me back to a time when I was a child, and we were in a friend's treehouse, and we were all sitting on the treehouse." Floor, and we were dangling our legs over the side of the, the, the flooring. And he said, we were so happy. We didn't have a care in the world and life was good. And he says, I think that that angel was trying to tell me that if I let go, I could have that life again. Oh, yeah. And it was sort of like, oh my God, an mm -hmm. aha moment. Right. Yeah. Session, like the light bulb went on. No, yeah. <laughs> yes. And from that moment on, he did. It did change his life. Mm -hmm. He started to um, get more involved with his grandchildren. Mm -hmm. He started gardening. He volunteered as a docent at a, a marine center, and he started being really happy with this new life he mm -hmm. had. And you know, so it was sort of like I said twice. You know, been visited by angels in my thing. I'm sure other therapists maybe have too. Mm -hmm. Maybe they didn't recognize it yeah. at the time. But, you know, it's you know that there's otherworldly help there if you need it and you need to call on it. Yeah. Now, I don't put all of my stock in every being that pops up. You sure. know, mm -hmm. um, I always check out if my own inner voice is resonating with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Your you intuition know, has to be there. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. This is the age of discernment, I say. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to sift the wheat from the chaff. Right now in our world, what's 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 true is false, and what's false is true, what's up is down, and, you know, it's yeah. all topsy-turvy, and you don't know what to believe. Who's telling you the truth anymore? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, um, which, which got me into writing the Stacks Library of Truth books. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, I, I had a client that once told me she had a near-death experience, mm -hmm. And she said, I went to a place where I could look up everything on anything, kind of like the Akashic Records. Yeah. Okay. But I said to mm -hmm. her at the time, oh, kind of like a library of truth. And she goes, yeah, kind of like a library of truth. And that stuck in my subconscious, library of truth. So many years later, I had a dream about the whole plot. And I was told, you need to name it Stacks Library of Truth. Now, Stacks is because it happens in a library okay. behind the scenes mm -hmm. are the stacks, which is what all the reference materials. And this one showed me, I don't know if there really is, perhaps yeah. there is, but in the library of Congress in Washington, DC, uh, they showed me, you know, as part of the plot of the book mm -hmm. that this savant syndrome guy who sees synesthesia and numbers all over this employee stumbles upon an algorithm that opens up an interdimensional portal 
into a library of truth where the information is kept on everyone and everything. He only, but he, he does discover that it's being manipulated by this very powerful, um, you know, worldwide ancient society. Mm -hmm. And he has to find a way to release some of that information and, uh, and do a whole bunch of other things <laughs> without getting killed. Wow. So um, I was lucky. I got to spend a whole week at the library of Congress behind the scenes with the, um, the librarians, the mm -hmm. main reading room, to go into the private stacks, you wow. know, and see card catalogs still written, you know, from 1800s oh, in black gosh. ink, wow. you know, that people never get to see mm -hmm. this stuff. And so I wanted to make sure it was so authentic that whoever read Stacks Library of Truth, which turned into three books, okay. um, you know, following the, the, the adventure mm -hmm. and uh, that, that anyone who read it would go, wow, she really kind of knows how things work on Capitol Hill and, you know, the uh, uh, Congress mm -hmm. and the Library of Congress and everything else. So it was it was an adventure. And while I'm writing it, I knew it was being channeled down. I mean, that was mm -hmm. getting things coming into me and I go, I didn't know that, <laughs> you know? And yeah. Go, yeah. And then they said, well, now, you know, don't write a book on your other, uh, your strange experiences, just mm -hmm. corp incorporated into the experience of your characters. Have your characters so ever uh, woken you up in the middle of the night and like, you gotta write, you gotta write this chapter. <laughs> I mean, that happens to me all the time. <laughs> Right. It's sort of like I used I used those books to escape, mm -hmm. you know, the COVID yeah. years. Yeah. And I was and, you know, because I live on Maui, mm -hmm. the uh, the Aloha, everybody, you know, I live mm -hmm. on Maui. You know, I knew that there was a portal on to top of Haleakala. In fact, I met some of the Space Delta people that are involved in it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I made it just another one of the portals that it wasn't just a portal that went into a library of truth. But there were other portals that all led into this mm -hmm. and what they meant and in, in the greater form of the universe and man's humanity and his origins. So, you know, I incorporate that all in. And it was like, oh, my God, I want to live in this world. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and as a writer, you know, that you pour so much of yourself into your, uh, well, at least I do, into your characters and you're developing this story. And it, did you find it was hard to find a stopping point or an end point for the book? Well, the thing is, I always knew where the end point would be. Okay. You know, it was mm -hmm. the stuff in between. I kind of had a loose outline of it, but there was stuff in between the filler stuff that was like, that was what they worked on. They filled mm -hmm. in stuff like that. Yeah. And there were things that, that they, they filled in. And I said, oh, I didn't know one could do that. And they said, yes. Yeah. And you know, and you... Uh, so that was, that was kind of eye-opening to me. I mean, I even found out that... Um, Actually, I'm writing the fourth book in the series oh, because great. 20 years later into the future, oh, you know, and yeah. uh, so they were showing me things about ancient Egypt because I was told, you know, you have so many roots in ancient Egypt and, uh, you know, before that Atlantis, but you need to go back and mm -hmm. rediscover those. And so I did. And then I landed up leading you know, metaphysical esoteric groups to Egypt, because oh, when I was incredible. there, my memories were all opening again of certain things that, you know, the Egyptians get so much of it wrong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. the, the, uh, the, really? you know, the, the, uh, the narrative, mm -hmm. you know, they go by it. It's pretty strict. Of course, some of them who are more enlightened, you know, do it with a wink and a nod. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It probably goes back more than 4,000 years. Um, but, you know, it's sort of like I could see all that. In fact, you know, I was really I was really drawn to uh, Abydos, which is the uh, um, home. They don't know it, but it was the order of Melchizedek. It was the home to the Melchizedeks. They were the visionary cosmic priest to the priest. They could see into the future. Yeah. And there is a natural Stargate at Abydos. And I mm -hmm. thought, oh, how interesting, because when you go to the movie Stargate, they talk about Abydos yeah. and yeah. the Stargate. Yeah. You know, so it's in the collective consciousness. Mm -hmm. And we know that, that there's so many portals in Egypt, you know, like the pyramids, you know, under the pyramids and stuff like that. And they, well, people I, got, are, I got under the pyramids. There's water tunnels. Under oh, there. yeah. Yeah. And, but so many no people idea. still believe that the pyramids were a burial thing and they're they're not, you know, <laughs> no, they're not. They've never they've mm -mm. never found, uh, you know, even though there there's something that looks like a sarcophagus in the king's chamber, it's not mm -hmm. really a sarcophagus, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, most of the major pyramids in the world, I found out after I 
remote viewed in an out-of-body state, I went down into the pyramids and I saw that there was water tunnels down there, which nobody talked about. And this mm -hmm. was a long time ago. And there was, um, I could see what looked like the remains of possibly a civilization underneath there. Mm -hmm. uh, so there was underground, there was underground bunkers there where, where people, there was, you know, people lived. Mm -hmm. And um, I saw myself coming through the uh, shafts of this sphinx and shoot out through the top of the head. And at the time, I didn't know there was actually a hole on the top mm -hmm. of, of the sphinx's head. But um, my guides had showed me that um, that uh, the god Anubis, you know, the black jackal-headed yeah. one that looks like a dog jackal, he is um, god to the afterlife, to the uh, underworld. He uh, protects the graves. He is um, he protects the whole Giza plateau, and uh, he's also the god of mummification. Uh, they showed me that uh, he was really an AI robot. Oh, really? Really? Oh, my gosh. And then it made sense because years ago, I don't know if you've, you've obviously you've probably heard of the sleeping prophet, Edgar Cayce. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Edgar Cayce had said, you know, under the paws of the right paws of the Sphinx would be a cache of materials, you know, that wouldn't be opened until the right time in history. And they had left a century there to make sure that it wasn't open beforehand. And then that's when I, I, I said, oh, my God it's it's a robot yeah it's ai they left a robot there mm -hmm. you know what else would stand the test of time right. yeah mm -hmm. you know uh to protect this information and so um you know most people don't realize that you know forget the aliens coming down and giving all this uh, the the ancient egyptians learned everything from the atlanteans yeah. they were such a sophisticated and, they had their outposts all over the world even yeah. in antarctica when it was once lush yeah mm. and you know i firmly believe and you look at back at the atlanteans and it proves that they were more advanced than we are now and i think you know the world goes through different cycles and even you know the earth goes through different cycles about um, I know doing some research on different shows that you've talked about, you talk about that where the poles are shift. And I believe that the earth, the Atlanteans all that had so much technology that we don't even can't even fathom. And there's the amount of time that has gone by. The earth has changed so much to where, you know, I mean, if we all left the earth right now within hundred maybe a thousand years you wouldn't even recognize buildings or that mm. so i think that's how it did i think that the earth has changed over so much and now that we are starting to open ourselves to the possibility of you know the spirit guides and all that stuff i think that we're starting to learn again and i think that we are changing to go back to the Atlantean style beings where we know so much and we can control different things or control the knowledge. Well, the Atlanteans got waylaid too. Mm -hmm. And that's why the, they were in the fourth dimension. That's why they fell. There's actually 12 dimensions. They're all within each other, stacked in each other, like, like those nesting dolls, like mm -hmm. a fractal. Mm. And so that, that dimension actually fell. Um, and because they, they started to misuse things, you know, just like anything, you give a person a little power and, <laughs> and, and they, they, they might go the wrong way with it. I believe that, that the Atlanteans learned most of their stuff from the Octurians. Oh, okay. And the Octurians were a very advanced, mm -hmm. evolved race. And, uh, but you know, it's sort of like what happened, you know, and sort of my last memory in Atlantean lifetime was seeing one of the big waves coming oh, and okay. I knew I was going to, I was going to die from that. Mm. And to this day, I I'm still a little nervous around and I live on an Island, yeah, right? of Hawaii, <laughs> you know, a big wave, yeah. you know, because I knew I died. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I also knew that I'd spent many lifetimes in Egypt with some of those in the temples and working with that knowledge and trying to help bring some of that back as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, there was many, you know, many of that information had to be brought back together and like almost like time capsule form so it wouldn't be lost as a reminder to the future because they knew that so much of civilization and man's history 
had been lost. Mm -hmm. It either went down with continents went down, new continents rose or so forth Mm -hmm. like that. We know so little of our origins. And we just, you know, it's like the Egyptians, they go, well, no, the pyramids are only 4,000 years old with, you know, wink, wink and a nod, nod. Uh Only because to go back any further than that would uh, cause some problems with the religion. And, you know, that's an Allah and everything else. And, you know, once you get the religious factor into it, you know, a lot of things are kind of kept from us so as not to be in disharmony with whatever the, you know, the the religious mm-hmm. belief dogism or whatever you want to call it is. So unfortunately, you know, some of it was lost and some of it has been intentionally hidden as mm-hmm. well. And, um, you know, so it's 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 uh, uh you know anything so that we don't keep repeat if you don't have access to the past you don't know mm-hmm. what you re- the the, mm-hmm. the errors you're repeating again sure. yeah if you hide the history how would you ever learn you know like example of not putting you know what really happened with slavery into textbooks and just kind of sugarcoating that we have to learn from that same thing right. with I, these I mean, types. They even of... believe that you know the pyramids were built by slaves. They weren't built by mm-hmm. slaves. Mm-hmm. You know they found they found the workers' camps. You know they dug them up, and a lot of these that were supposedly slaves had had uh, some type of surgical, you know, uh, operations and things like mm-hmm. that. They if they were slaves, nobody would have wasted time no, right? surgical no. repair on them. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. they were artisans. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, you know, when I go there, I, I said, you know, I remember they, you know, they didn't do this. They, mm-hmm. These were all they they the Romans didn't didn't uh, um, invent concrete. The mm-hmm. ancient Egyptians did and learned it from their forefathers. And they knew how to use natron salts and other uh, devices. Mm-hmm. So either to fast uh, to harden it quickly or to sculpt it slowly, mm-hmm. yeah. and they used molds and casts to mm-hmm. do that. I mean, they did it right in place. Mm-hmm. And if you look at even in in uh, Mexico, the pyramids there, you'll see little shells. Sometimes people have found fingernails or human mm-hmm. hair in it. You mm-hmm. don't find that in quartz rock or no. limestone rock. Sure. You know, it's so you it, you find that in mixed cement. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, know. definitely. Do you have any so, plans to go back to Egypt anytime soon? Well, I had gone so many years and led so many groups. And mm-hmm. last December was, I knew it was going to be my last. Mm-hmm. I knew I was done. Yeah. And I kept thinking something is going to happen in this area. Mm-hmm. And I, it's probably not okay to go back anymore. And of course, the Middle East, as we mm-hmm. see it now, is, yeah. is in some turmoil. And Sinai, you know, which is owned by Egypt, is right on the border of uh, Israel and Gaza. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, so, you know, that's that's a little bit of a hotbed now, you know, the Egyptians, you know, don't want that that radical element to come in because that's what caused the Arab Spring uprising. And they they all went broke and they lost all their tourism. Oh so they've learned. Yeah. 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 Keep radicals out, you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so it's it's uh, so no, I don't. I think that what I needed to do there. Uh, was complete okay and uh sometimes you just know yeah okay it's i I don't need to go back anymore Mm -hmm. you know we we've done this last time i was there we did a lot of work in the temples i brought back a lot of really good psychic cleaners okay because some of them are really gunked up with really some bad energy oh i can imagine with uh, all the different people that go there and the different you know oh yeah Mm -hmm. oh yeah you know, if you're in any of the temples and you start to feel like a pressing vice in your head, mm-hmm. uh, that's that's negative energy. Wow. Yeah. Have you ever? Or you can feel a little nausea. Yeah. Have you ever had anything um, along that lines, like negative energy or strange experiences um, come towards you because they know that you're open to this, or maybe oh, even, yeah. you know, I want to say oh, government yeah. um, coming. Uh, Oh, yeah. Interested. But I have a little thing that I've used. Mm -hmm. And because this is a free will society, I immediately say, I do not consent. I will not comply. Mm -hmm. And they have to abide by that. Yeah. Yeah. And immediately they go away. Now, Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, I was in Lahaina when the uh, that morning of the fires. Oh, my goodness. And the night before, I was feeling rolling energy coming (sighs) through my head. And I knew something was not kosher. Yeah. 
And the sooner I got to there, I wasn't supposed to be there that morning because, mm-hmm. you know, because <laughs> yeah. it's 30 minutes from where I live. Okay. You know, I felt it even more so. And then I realized that, like this, this was, this is a uh, directed energy. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, you know, that's no incredible. two ways about it. Yeah. And, uh, um, so, you know, you start to, but you don't always, and it felt almost as if somebody's trying to take over your head. It's a rolling thing. I, mm-hmm. it, it was very strange. And I've only experienced it one other time in my life, and that was in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what was happening when I did experience it, but uh, um, but it was, this, I mean, I experienced other type of things like, you know, maybe if weather modifications going on and so forth like that, but mm-hmm. this was different. This was, uh, this felt like a weapon. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. And it's being LA like that, there's so many different types of people and different energy that you never know what you're going to run into. I lived in yeah. Hollywood for a while. I co- totally relate. <laughs> Holly weird, right? <laughs> Holly, right, right. I mean, I, we escaped from LA. Right, yeah. exactly. Back to the Midwest, please, and thank you. <laughs> now, Kathy, are you, are you still having, or are you going to have any, um, I don't want to say conferences or that, but to where you bring the Trinfinity 8 out and people are using it and learning from it and because i know you sell them on different to different people too but are you going to have oh, any yeah, group sessions or anything website. actually it's good to go to my website anyway trinfinity8.com because if you click on the blog tab you can you can read a lot of my egypt articles okay. and esoteric things and mm-hmm. then if you want to look at the rest of you know about the technology that's fine too um and or the ascension 11 and so forth so um, you know, I did I did those conferences for so many years, okay. and after a while, you just kind of get tired of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, and I thought, you know, I, I really love writing. Okay. And I thought, um, I'm going to spend my, you know, sharing my knowledge in the Stacks Library of Truth books. Now you can get those on Amazon, in Kindle format, mm-hmm. print, or Audible. They're oh, all yeah. free. Right. Are. Mm-hmm. And so if you do that, make sure you get the book one first. It does tell you book one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, like I said, the fourth one probably won't come out till February. Okay. And, um, you know, that one wasn't intended, mm-hmm. but, you know, uh, I kind of thought, let's look 20 years into the future yeah. and see what has happened. Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting yeah. you know, because that was a str- that would I had to stretch. I had to mm-hmm. do some future timeline looking at yeah. to see what 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 was coming down the pike on that way. Yeah, that's incredible. That's amazing. These are these are yeah. interesting times. It, we were it, born. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're lucky to be alive in the in the time frame that we are um, to right. s- be able to look into the past and, like in your case, look into the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Kathy, we really appreciate yes, you having you us, so much. Having just you know this discussion, and I've learned a lot. It was nice because I just sat back and listened. You know, <laughs> learned. Oh yeah, it's the I best type of <laughs> No, we'd love to have you back because I still have a lot of questions about a lot of things um, oh, that sure. we could dive just into. Make a list. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But no, we really, really appreciate you sharing all your knowledge. And if Thank anybody you. wanted to check out Kathy's books. You know, go to her website. Mm -hmm. We'll put the link in the show notes for our listeners um, to be able to uh, check out her books, check out her website. You can still find me on Facebook, Kathy Forty, or or LinkedIn, or the StacksLibraryOfTruth.com website. Oh, perfect. Yep, great. All right. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate you. Thanks, guys. I hope we we do have a chance to talk to you again because. Like Jen said, there's so many questions, and we can't fill up. A, I mean, if we could fill up three hours, we could. <laughs> oh, yeah, but done. I have done some three-hour ones. That's too long. We need we need snack yes. breaks and pee breaks in between. It was so nice because I listened to – I watched it, but I was working, so I was listening to one that you did, and it was a two-hour long, and I'm like, I'm just listening and absorb stuff, you know. But, yeah. Joe's the learner. <laughs> but thank you. Yes, we really appreciate it. All right. All right. All right. Mahalo. Mahalo. And thank you, listener, for tuning in this week. We really appreciate you. We love you all. And like we always say, get up on our website. We have different things on our website. It'll tell you where events we are going to be at, different things. We got gifts. We've got Christmas stuff on there. Yes. Whatever you need, please. And like we always say, please, 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 wherever you listen, Hit that subscribe button. Sometimes it's called follow. Hit subscribe or follow. It's the same thing. 
and uh, leave us a positive rating review. We love you, and we will talk to you next week. Goodbye. Bye. This is the truth that must